Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. I'm Terry Deber. For those of you who don't know me, I've um, filled in for Corey quite a bit over the years, and uh, I'm gl glad he always invites me back. He must not uh, disagree with too much of what I have to say. And so it's uh, good to be here this morning. I, I will say it's been a little crazy around our house this past week. Our daughter had our 10th grandchild yesterday morning. Uh, yes. Thank God. Uh, but she had been in and out of the hospital since Sunday, in and out of labor and all kinds of crazy stuff. So she finally had uh, Van, is his name, yesterday morning. Uh, but we've had his 15-month-old brother with us for the last several days. And our son and his wife from Augusta are in Colorado at Young Life Camp. And so we have their three children. And so if I don't make any sense today, it's because... I don't, you know, it's just been kind of crazy, and uh, we're not we're not used to having a 15-month-old around day and night. And uh, Abe's kids are pretty good; they're old enough to take care of themselves. But you know how it is as grandparents; it's a challenge when you have the grandkids for 24 hours or 48 or whatever it is that we've had them. We've had them a long time, and so uh, yeah, it seems like a long time. No, no, no offense to you guys, you know. They're, they're great. They're wonderful. And uh, so I, I, I really uh, appreciate being able to help our kids out in that way. But it does make life a bit of a challenge, as you know. All of us have our challenges, don't we? I always say everybody you meet is going through something. And so be kind. And I think, don't you think it's kind of interesting that a lot of businesses have put up signs that say, uh, be kind to our, our help. They're showing up for work. And uh, they're, we're short-handed, and they're they're really working hard. And so everybody we run into is going through something. So this morning, I hope I can share a little bit of something with you that will encourage you. Um, I know Corey's been going through the book of Revelation, and I've been able to listen to some of those messages. I haven't listened to all of them, but I want to get back and finish those. I, I really like the approach he's taken, and uh, it's been kind of refreshing for me as a pastor I remember when I was in seminary, I took a, a semester-long um, class on the book of Revelation from a very, very scholarly um, New Testament professor, Dr. David May. At the end of the semester, his final words were, to us were, now you have my take on Revelation, good luck. Uh, you know, because everybody has an opinion about Revelation. I was just talking with somebody as we were sitting. Yeah, there we go. We were just saying, yeah, everybody wants to argue about Revelation. So uh, God bless Corey for taking that on. Well, we're going to be in uh, uh, the book of Psalm 84 this morning. If you want to follow along in your Bible, we'll have the um, verses up here on the screen as well, I believe. I want to pray before we start. So, Father, I thank you for this day you have given us, and I just pray, Lord, that we can claim your promise that your word will not go forth and return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. And, Lord, we know that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces into our hearts and our minds and convicts us of our sin and convinces us of a need of a Savior and gives us the strength we need to live day by day. So I pray, Lord, that I could get out of your way and that you could do your work today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then James says, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. 
And then in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so it seems like everywhere we look in, in the Bible is talking about joy. But as you and I sit here today, you and I know that life is sometimes tough. That life is sometimes very difficult. As a matter of fact, just, just yesterday or the day before, I was sitting and talking with a Catholic priest who's a friend of mine. And we were just talking about the craziness that's going on in the world. And he said, man, it is just getting crazier and crazier, and it's harder and harder uh, to be a pastor and to help people through these difficult times. He said, he said I'm ready. Anytime he's, the Lord's ready to take me, I'm ready to go. You know, and I think I tell people sometimes I pray, even so, Lord Jesus, come. You know, as crazy as the world's getting, it's, it feels like it's time for Jesus to come back. So, you know, what I said before, every one of us is struggling with something. And yet, Paul and James and the writers, a lot of the writers in the book of the Psalms and Galatians says, rejoice. Have joy, no matter what's going on. In all things, give thanks. And I always remind people that Paul doesn't say, for all things, give thanks, because we don't give thanks for the difficult times we go through, but he says, in all things, in the midst of whatever's going on, we give thanks. So I think part of the problem and struggle that we have as Christians, when it comes to the whole issue of joy, and we wonder, why in the world don't I have more joy? I think we confuse happiness and joy. And let me tell you the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on my circumstances. Happiness requires health, wealth, popularity, power, and friends. Happiness demands that life flows smoothly and things go well. But here's the problem with happiness. It's fleeting. It changes with our mood. It changes with our desires. It changes with our circumstances. That's because happiness is focused outward to what's going on around me, and it's centered on self, isn't it? Happiness is centered on self. I have to admit, I want to be happy. I want things to go well. I want my circumstances to be what I want my circumstances to be, not what they are sometimes. Now, joy, on the other hand, and, and, and I know you've heard this before, but I just want to remind you, joy, on the other hand, is independent of my circumstances. Joy is there when health, wealth, popularity, power, and friends are gone. Joy is there. It is abiding. It is permanent. It is unshakable. My mood may change, my desires may change, my circumstances may change, yet joy remains. And joy remains if and because you and I focus inward and the basis, the center is Jesus himself. We focus on that inward relationship we have with Jesus where he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So joy is permanent. It's there no matter what. It is abiding because we focus on Jesus. So, you know, one of the, one of the realities is, I think, is joyful living is revolutionary. I think it's revolutionary. I came across something that John Adams said. It's a quote from him in 1815, and listen closely. 
He says, what do we mean by the revolution? The war, question mark? That was no part of the revolution. It was only an effect and consequence of it. The revolution was in the minds of the people. And so in other words, what John Adams is saying is oftentimes when we think about the revolution, we think about the war itself, don't we? But that wasn't the revolution. That was simply the outcome of the revolution. The revolution take place in the minds of the people that prepared them then for the consequences that followed. The same is true for joy. I think joyful living is revolutionary, not because of what happens out there, but because of what happens in our minds as we turn ourselves over to Jesus. In Nehemiah 8, the 10th verse, it says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where the revolution starts. That's where joyful living begins. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, why don't we experience more joy in our lives? Well, if you're like I used to be when I was working, I would roll out of bed in the morning uh, with just enough time to shower, dress, and roll out the door. Is that, ha- is that what happens to you? Shower, dress, and roll out the door. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who shave and put their makeup on in the car on the way to work. You know, uh, I, I have never had a job where I had to commute to work until I became a hospice chaplain. Always before that, I was very close in proximity to my work, and I could take a three-minute drive and be there. But I had to commute to Wichita every morning for, uh, for my work as a hospice chaplain, and I could not believe how many times I'd pull up to a red light, and there'd be a woman in there, you know, like this, and doing things like this, and I'm looking, how, how in the world can you possibly put your makeup on at the stop? I mean, really, literally, they're here, you know how you blink your eyes with a little brush or whatever it is you do and those kind of things? And I was thinking, this is crazy. Pulling up to a red light and putting on makeup and then taking off as soon as the light turns green, wait till the next red light. And I'm thinking, that is nuts. And I had a friend one time I was talking to, and he told me that part of his plan is he intentionally shaves on the way to work. He gets in the car, he has an electric razor, he says, yeah, while I'm driving to work, I shave. And I think, man, we really do uh, uh, just cram our lives full, don't we? We cram them full. It's just kind of crazy. And then our days and evenings are so packed that we don't have time for God. If our lives are that full and that packed, we really don't have time for God. So let me ask you, first first question, how do I experience true joy? How do I experience true joy? Well, first of all, I find my true home. I have to find my true home. In Psalm 84, verses 1 through 4, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. There she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So this psalmist really, really did desire to be with the Lord. 
He said, my soul yearns for the courts of the Lord, and my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. He desired to be in his true home, and he knew that his true home was to be with the Lord. And in this verse, he uses the sparrow and the swallow uh, to give us a picture of loneliness. Whenever I see a lone bird, a lone sparrow, or a lone, a lone swallow, it just reminds me that they're alone. I don't know if they communicate or what they do, but it reminds me that they are alone. And so it's a picture of total loneliness. In Psalm 102.7, it says, I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. You ever watch a swallow? I grew up on a farm. We had a big old hay barn. If you ever watch a swallow, they're restless, darting in and out and about and just never settling down. They're just darting about all the time. And I think the psalmist is using that as a picture of our loneliness and our restlessness until we find our security at home with Jesus. The psalmist says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So how do I experience true joy? First of all, by finding my true home. And that is to be with Jesus, to be at home with him and to rest in him and to take the focus off of myself and put it on him to take the focus off of what's going on in the, in the circumstances in my world and to know that God is in control, that he works things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So the second uh, way that I find true joy is to find my true strength, to find my true strength. In verses 5 through 7, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So joyful living, in order to have joyful living, all of us need strength for every day. And that strength has to have a source, doesn't it? Now, if my source of strength is myself, I'm not, I, don't, I doubt if I'm going to live very joyfully. I've tried it many times to use my own strength, my own desires, my own control. And if I try that, the joyful living just doesn't happen. Our strength has to be in God, not in self. The, the, in verse 5, it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Our true source of strength has to be God himself. And then it goes on, and then in Ephesians 6, the 10th verse, Paul says, finally, my brethren. He said, after everything else, after everything else you've tried, everything else that's gone on in life, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. My true strength is found in Jesus. Not in myself, not in other people, but in Jesus himself. And then the, the psalmist refers to the valley of Baca. He says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The valley of Baca was a place of sadness and loneliness. It was actually called the valley of weeping. Uh, 
But the, the psalmist is saying, with God's strength, as you pass through the valley, you will make it a place of springs. You will make it a place that is alive. You will make it a place that is joyful, a place that is desirable for people to be, rather than this dry for, for uh this dry uh, place where no one wants to be. You make it a place of springs where people want to be, and, and it's a place of joy. So as uh, with God's strength, as you and I pass through sorrow and struggles, we can sing and experience joy. That's what the psalmist is saying. As these folks who go through the valley of Baca make it a place of springs, as you go through the sorrow and struggles of life, you can sing and experience joy. You know, I, I share this often with folks. You know, when we see people that go through difficult times and really have a difficult struggle and come out on the other end and they're better and they're stronger and they're closer to God, I think all of us want to have that, don't we? But what we don't want is to go through the experience, do we? See, going through those experiences of struggle and difficulty is how God refines us and how he molds us and shapes us. And so we do come out better, and, and we, that's what we want. And so, But to get there, we have to go through the struggle and the difficulty and rely on God to be our true strength. So rather than getting weaker and discouraged, we can go from strength to strength. Because there's no limit to God's power and ability to help you and me. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, I, I didn't used to really understand that fully until I became a hospice chaplain. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. I've been with many, many hospice patients who their outward body was decaying and dying and slowly just beginning to weaken and go down. And yet inwardly, they became more and more alive as they became more and more in tune with Jesus and what was going on. And so, you know, I've, I've discovered in the families that I've worked with that when, when we first come into people's lives, you know, everyone is really struggling and, and they're very sorrowful and there's all this difficulty that's going on and the concern for their loved one. But as we pass through this journey and we come to the point where a person's life comes to an end, the family has come to peace because they have experienced the renewal that goes on in their loved one's life as they draw closer and closer to Jesus. As the outward body fades, the inward strength just gets greater and greater and greater and stronger and stronger. And so we find our true strength in Jesus himself. Thirdly, if I'm gonna have joyful living, I have to find my true priority. My true priority. In verses 8 and 9, it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. You know, our, our true priority has to be prayer. And I know that's difficult. It's a struggle. I know my wife and I try to have a time every day, sometime during the day, where we can have a devotional and some prayer time. And we've, we've done pretty well with that until we got the grandkids. 
And that has kind of gone by the wayside for a period of time. And yet, you know, we miss that because that, that is where we find part of our strength and part of what we need to get through each and every day is to come together and to share that devotional and spend some time praying together. And so I would just encourage you, our true priority has to be prayer. Spending some time with God. But my question is, do I come before God with an open mind, an open heart, or is my agenda already set? I have to admit, many times my agenda is already set. I come before God and I want to tell God the way things ought to be, and I want to go down my list and, and have just tell him, this is what I want, this is what I expect, this is what I need. And yet, I have to, I, I really... That's really not what God wants. It's kind of interesting, over, over a period of about three or four days, we did a number of devotionals, and, and, we, and each of those days we came away with a sentence that kind of changed our perspective. One of those sentences was this, today I will try to control less and trust God more. I think our true priority, one of our true priorities has to be to control less and trust God more. On another day, that sentence was, I gain perspective when I let go of my plans and look for God. It's so hard to let go of our plans and to look for God, but we gain perspective when we let go of our plans and look for God. And then the one, the one statement that meant the most to me and that I still repeat is this. Lord, help me lay down my expectations and trust you. How many times do I come to the Lord with expectations? Lord, help me lay down my expectations and trust you. That gives me a sense of peace. I know I have expectations, Lord but I want to lay those down and I want to trust you. So we need to spend time in prayer with God. You know, we used to call it a quiet time. I don't call it a quiet time anymore. I just call it time with God because it's not always quiet. Sometimes I like to sing. Sometimes I like to read out loud. Sometimes I like to walk around. And so it's just spending time with God. It's how, you know, how you spend time with friends. You don't just sit quietly and just sit there and wait for something to happen. When you're with friends, when you have a relationship, it's interactive. And you may be up and moving around or talking out loud or you're telling God what's on your heart. But that priority of spending time with God has to be there. And then I want to close with just a few thoughts on joyful living. In verses 10 through 12, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. There's a song um, that starts out that way. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who, who walk in blame, is, whose walk is blameless. O Lord God Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And when you read those words, you think, why wouldn't I want to have a relationship with God? Why wouldn't I want to spend time with him? Why wouldn't I want to center in 
in that relationship. There's no comparison between looking for happiness and experiencing true joy. No comparison between looking for happiness and experiencing true joy. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know, the difference between those two is this. One is a permanent dwelling, a home. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, and the other is temporary. It's a tent. Than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The psalmist uses that for you and me to compare what, it, what it's like to have a permanent joy in the Lord versus temporary happiness in the world. Our focus moves from the seen to the unseen. Paul says, that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is permanent. And so I would just encourage you, go back and read through Psalm 84. Spend a little bit of time looking at the words, reading the words, focusing on, on them. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Isn't that what we're looking for? We're looking for that kind of joy. So I encourage you to go back, read through Psalm 84, and take to heart the points that we talked about today. And I know sometimes past failures can haunt us. I know my past failures haunt me. But our focus has to be on God's forgiveness for the past, what God is doing in our life right now, and what God will do in the future. If we will allow him to work, the joy of the Lord truly will be our strength. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you this morning, our heart's desire is to rejoice and to have joy. But Lord, you know the struggles of day-to-day -day life. You know the resolutions that we make, the the to do better and to work harder and to trust you more. But Lord, we know that we have to surrender to you. It's not about working harder on our own, but, but surrendering to you and your leading and the pow power of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray our, your blessing upon us this day in this place and help each of us to leave here today, Lord, and to be able to rejoice for this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.